0: And I think how I met Pastor Rabs a couple, maybe two, three years ago now, Rose and I were at another church and uh, we were heavily involved in that church and they actually asked us to lead the church and it was a big church and we were praying about it and didn't feel peace about it. And my prayer was at that time, God, lead us to an Acts church, a church that resembles the church in the book of Acts. That was our prayer. And I met Rabs at a, at a wedding. I thought, oh, okay, yeah, how you going? Yeah, said we'll catch up, exchange numbers. Just thought, just another person I'm meeting, I'll take his number and I'll never, never see him again. <laughs> And then a couple of weeks later I felt to message him and we caught up for a coffee and he just spoke a word and it was like three years of frustration just left me in that moment and it was like I got delivered of something by a word that he spoke and it gave me absolute clarity about the situation we were in and the decision we were meant to make. And I'd been praying, God, send, please send the right person that we're to walk with. And in that moment, I knew that God had sent the right person. And God does send shepherds, people to speak by the Holy Spirit into your life. So always, I want to encourage you, always be listening and paying attention to who the Holy Spirit sends into your life. And it's amazing. Now, you know, I'll be making big decisions or praying about things and I'll just be having a conversation with Rabs and he'll just, the Holy Spirit through him, I won't even have to ask him, the Holy Spirit will just answer. Sometimes Rabs doesn't even know, but he's answered a big question I've got in my spirit. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit connects us like that. But you were never meant to walk alone. And the Holy Spirit always sends the right people. And Rabs has been preaching on envy the last few weeks. And I was sitting in, in the message and I thought, wow, my, my testimony has, like this, a big chunk of it relates to envy. And I thought one day I'll, I'll talk about how my testimony relates to envy or how envy was a big part of my, my early years. And then a couple of days later, Rabs asked me to preach, and I thought, okay, I know what I'm going to speak on already. And I'm not here to add to anything Rabs said about envy. It's more to demonstrate how envy manifested in my life based on what Rabs has been preaching on. And so it's an example, and that's why it has got behind me I it said it's a case study on envy. And Rab said a lot of things about envy, and one of the things he said was that it's really subtle. And sometimes we think we know what envy is, but often it's so deep and it's so subtle that it's, it's difficult to put our finger on it. And some people might think, well, envy's not that big of a deal, or it's a bit of jealousy about people having better things than us or something like that. But I want to show you how deeply it affected me and how the Holy Spirit revealed it to me <clears throat> years and years ago. And it's pretty crazy what James says, and he says in James chapter 3, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's a big deal. Saying where there's envy and self-seeking, confusion and every evil thing are there. Not there's some evil, not there's a little bit of evil. He's saying where there's envy and self-seeking, every evil is there. And Rab's just talking about how it's the greatest tool of the enemy. And when you read this scripture it really rings true that every evil is present where there's envy and self-seeking. <clears throat> so I want to just share a bit about my testimony. A lot of you have probably heard it already or a bit of it. Um, but just to give you a background so that I can show how envy was a key part of it. Um, as a child, I loved God and I knew God existed and he would show me he existed because I'd have amazing experiences with him when I was a child. I'd pray and my room would fill with incense and people would come to me and say, are you burning incense in your room? And I'd say, no, no. And other people could smell it too and I'd say I was just praying and the room fills with incense. Anyway, I'll cut to the chase and I'll try and keep it pretty brief. I don't want to go into too much detail, but at the age of 15, I discovered I was attracted to the same sex. And I started coming out to people at the age of 17 and from 17, I started experimenting in different ways And I started living a gay lifestyle. Gay clubbing, um, gay friends, gay gay lifestyle, everything that that comes with it. And I did that from about 18 to 22. And it was, obviously it had its challenges. You know, it's it's not something you just wake up and decide one day this is what you want to be. I didn't feel like it was a choice. I felt like I couldn't... uh, I was bound in it, and I had no choice, and I couldn't control it. And they say, what can't be cured must be endured. So I went from enduring it to actually embracing it. And I'd often pray to God, and I'd say, God, this is is what my prayer would be. God, I, I don't understand how you could make me this way and then condemn me to hell for it. And that was the question I'd always ask him, God, how can you do this to me and then say I'm going to hell for it? Anyway, after I'd come out to a number of people, someone in my family came to me and they gave me a book. And this book is now banned, of course, because the culture's against it, the culture's against truth. And... I started reading this book and it basically said if you look in the backgrounds of of people, of men who are attracted to the same sex, you'll find three of the, typically you'll find three things or one of the three things. And I won't go into what they are. Um, And as I was reading this book, it really started to challenge me because I thought, wow, that's my life. Whatever this book is describing is what I've experienced growing up. And it, it, it um, described certain traumas and they were that was like my life story and it made sense and I challenged me so much that I threw the, I got about halfway and threw the book in the bin because i didn't I didn't want to hear the truth and Proverbs chapter 18 verse 2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. Now I didn't want to, I didn't want understanding at that point. It was, I'd finally accepted, that's how things were, I'd built my identity that way, I'd built my lifestyle that way and I didn't want anything coming to challenge me. And so I threw The book in the bin, and it was written by a Christian author. John chapter 3, verse 19 to 20 says, The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practising evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. That was me in the book. It was like light was coming in, and I just wanted to run I didn't want light. I wanted to stay in the darkness. But it was true, what I was reading. And I spent the next six months trying to (laughs) erase it from my memory. But truth's an amazing thing because when it comes, it does a work in the person, even if the person doesn't want it to. And that's why preaching the gospel is so important. You might think the person doesn't want to hear it. Or the person might make you think that they've rejected it. But the truth, God's word never returns void. And it always, that seed is always sown. And so that thing, that, all that truth that I dread, it was like a pebble in my shoe for the next six months. I was, it was just really bothering me. And it was conviction, and it was my conscience that had been awakened. Anyway, I got, I got on my knees after being bothered for, for a long time, and I said, God, actually, we, we were driving here. We drove past Club Parramatta on the way here. And, you know, by the way, it's Mardi Gras weekend, so I'm glad to be preaching truth on this weekend. But... <laughs> They had a big sign saying, born this way. Pride, you know, born this way. And that was my prayer to God. I said, God, the world says we're born this way. And you say, we're not. You say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The world says, follow your heart. And you say, follow me. The world says, express yourself. You say, deny yourself. The world says, be true to yourself. You say, be true to me. And I said, God, I want to follow these feelings. And that's where I got to. I want to follow these feelings, but I'm all, I also fear you. I did. It was like the fear of God came on me. And I said, God, I just want to know the truth. I'm really confused. I have these feelings and I know what your word says and it's in complete conflict. Please help me. It was like that. It was God just point me in the right direction. The Bible says seek and you'll find. The Bible says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says, he'll never forsake those who come to him. And so not long after that, I was praying and a light appeared in my room. It was a supernatural light and beams of light came out of this light in the corner of my room and the beams were coming out of the light like that and they were coming into my chest. And I didn't know what, what it was, all I knew was this was something supernatural. All I knew it was light. I felt peace, but I was also confused. I didn't know what it was. The next morning, I had someone call me up and they said, I had a dream of you last night. Jesus was washing you with light and with what looked like a white powder or a white substance. That said, Jesus was over you, washing you, And you had a smile on your face. And this person wasn't even a very strong believer. The next day after that, I went, I was kind of started going back to the Catholic Church at this time, and I walked into the church, and it was the feast day of Saint Faustina, who drew the portrait, the Jesus I trust in you portrait. So I walked in, and on the screen, Big church was a picture of Jesus with the beams of light coming out of his chest like that. And down the bottom it said, Jesus, I trust in you. And it was like that day I knew it was Jesus and he was just calling me to trust him. I didn't know how it was going to pan out. I wasn't changed. I didn't have all the answers, but I knew he was the truth and I needed to follow him. I always say it's amazing that the first thing Jesus wanted me to know is that he was washing me, that he was cleansing me, that I didn't have to change before he cleansed me or washed me. That was the very first step, that I could change because he washed me, because he cleansed me. I could be transformed. My mind could be renewed because of his blood. He washed me in the dream, he washed me in the water through baptism and he began to wash me through the word. And over time, as I began to study the word, especially around um, who God created me to be, what, how he intended, what he intended for marriage, for relationships, for love, I realised it, it was the truth. And the the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I was like, just as I knew more and more of the truth, I began to be set free. And I began uh, Psalm 119. says, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word. I did a lot of other things to really, test, to really test the truth. So I'll give you an example. Because all my friends were gay at the time. I said, I'm going to go and test, test this. So if this book said that this is in the backgrounds of every gay guy, I said, I'm going to go and interview all my gay friends and find out whether this is true. And I interviewed about 20 of them. I had to do it for uni as uh, as an assignment. And I chose this topic. And I went and interviewed 20 of them. And it was absolutely true. And I began to talk to them and say, guys, like you realise, I think we've been lied to. Like we're told we're born this way, but there's no evidence for that anyway. So how can they say we're born born this way? There's no evidence for it. They just say it, and it 's convenient for us, so we believe it, and we run with it, but it 's not true anyway they didn 't want a bar of it and it 's amazing how Jesus um, began to teach me about himself, so I was very because I was started going to the Catholic Church, I was very religious, and he wanted to it was like God wanted to break that religious aspect of my life because I was in deep condemnation. Um, I, I perceived Jesus in a particular kind of way. And it was just like amazing things would happen day to day. I'll share this story. I was working in an office one day. And in in the p- particular office I was in, there were three or four desks. And I was the only one in that particular office. So there were three desks empty. And one day a guy walks in and he says, Hey, my name's Joe. I'm new here. I said, Great to meet you, Joe. Pick a desk. They're all empty except this one. This is where I sit. So he sat down. He unpacked his bag and... He went out for lunch that day and he never came back. And I thought, wow, this is weird. The guy's gone out for like a three-hour lunch break. So I went and saw the boss and I said, uh, Joe never came back. And he said, yeah, don't worry about Joe. He won't be coming back. But Joe left this book on his desk and it was called The Jesus I Never Knew. And it sat there for a long time. I thought, Joe, Joe forgot his book. I didn't realise Joe had left me the book. And I read that book and the Jesus that I was reading about in the Gospels came alive to me. And then I began to understand how he was my father and how he loved me. And as I got to know Jesus, he began to heal all that emptiness I had inside. And all those traumatic things that happened in childhood, he fathered me through all those and he began to heal all those parts. And funny, because I'd, after I read the book, I was like, wow, well, you know, this is changing my life. And I found Joe on Facebook and I said, Joe, um, you might not remember me. We worked together for three hours. Um, you forgot your book, I've read it, it's amazing. Do you want it back? And I'll never forget his reply. His reply was, I wish that book would leave me alone. And so every six months I'd, I'd message him and say, Joe, I've still got the book. Still got the book. And it was only about three or four years later I messaged him again and he said, okay, send me the book. I didn't have the book so I went, bought one and sent it to, sent it to him. <clears throat> so I also went and saw uh, a Christian counsellor who helped me a lot and really just spoke truth to me and helped me go deeper with my issues that the Holy Spirit would would shine a light on. So I'll give you that as a background because people hear about that Particular issue and, and never would they think envy is a, is a root cause of it. One of the um, when I was studying the word obviously the Bible talks a lot about love and I wanted to really understand what the Bible meant by love. And in this, that book I told you about that first came to me, it said that um, same-sex attraction for men is rooted in envy. And that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. So I'll give you an example of it. So back then, if you were to ask me, well, what do you find attractive about another man? I would say, well, they're um, uh, muscular, they're assertive, they're masculine, they're strong, um, good-looking, confident. And then if you were to ask me the question, what are the things about yourself that you wish you could change? I would say, I wish I was stronger, I wish I was more masculine, I wish I was more assertive, I wish I was more confident, I wish I was better looking. And I remember the book saying, the very things you're attracted to are the things you lack in yourself. And it's actually rooted in envy. And that really shocked me at the time. Because it it highlighted to me that this was either a character thing or a spiritual thing. I wasn't born this way. But it was actually rooted in envy. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. So if that... Attraction or that so called love is rooted in envy, then it's not true love at all. And not only that, but where there's envy, every evil thing is found. So I realized that it was really covetousness. You think, I mean, two of the Ten Commandments do not covet your neighbor's wife, and do not covet your neighbor's possessions. Like two of the commandments are dedicated to covetousness. And I realized back then that my attraction was proportionate to my envy. And if I could deal with the envy, then I could deal with the attraction. So I want to, on Wednesday night, some of the things Rab said, I wanted to just go over them again and how they related to my experience. Rab said, envy is a condition of the heart. And that, what I was faced with was a condition of the heart. I was not born that way. Says it's the greatest tool the devil's been using on mankind. Wow, what a tool. Not only does it capture you and... um, can you up. You don't even know that it's envy. Who would ever think that same-sex attra- attraction is rooted in envy? You'd never think it. It divides your attention. You can't see God's own plans for you. I couldn't. Because of that envy and what it caused in me, I couldn't see any of the blessings or the gifts God had given me. All I was paying attention to was what gifts others had to the point that it developed actually a sexual attraction to those things. We see how powerful envy is. That you can actually not only cover it in your heart, but it can actually become a sexual desire. Think about how powerful it is. Envy focuses on what you don't have. I don't have to repeat that again. That's all I was doing. Focusing on what I lacked and seeing it in other people rather than taking that weakness to God. I was coveting it in other people's lives. And the Holy Spirit just wants us to bring that to him. God, I feel like I'm lacking in this area, and I'll bring it to you. I surrender this part of my life to you. What does envy do? forgets about God, fixates on the thing it lacks, and that's all it can think about, focus on, chase after it becomes it becomes your god you bow down to it you worship it it lusts for the things it doesn't have that's what rab said the other night it lusts for the things it doesn't have So I felt to, I know there are lots of young people here, but I felt to, to encourage you that a lot of people have been shattered over this, this particular issue. Their faith has been shattered because they haven't understood what it is and the churches haven't necessarily done a great job about talking about these issues. And the enemy has used it as a tool to confuse young people. Not, I'm not talking about young people who struggle with that particular issue. I'm talking about young people in general because the world has taught you that um, Christianity is, is bad because it rejects these you know, people who have these attractions or whatever it might be. But actually, the answers for that issue are found in Christ. And we speak the truth because we want people to to walk in freedom and to walk in the truth and to walk in what God has prepared for them and destined for their lives. And the enemy only wants to come and kill, steal and destroy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, this know, and this is in the King James Version, this know also that in the last days perilous, Times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And it's amazing that it says without natural affection. I was reading an article recently and it said people who struggle with same-sex attraction, uh, it's, the article was saying that people feel more comfortable coming out now and therefore numbers are increasing. And I think it was a crazy figure, I don't believe it, but they said around 40%. But if it was, if you were born that way, numbers wouldn't be increasing. But I believe that young people in particular are actually being brainwashed. And the enemy is sowing lies into their mind. And I do believe numbers are increasing because it's rooted in confusion. And if the enemy can get envy into a young person, then he can have his way. In uh, First Corinthians chapter six, it says, "Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived; neither neither the sexually immoral, immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God." And this is the line that I want us all to take away tonight and that is and such were some of you but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God such were some of you past tense It's some of you were like that but you're no longer like that Nothing is impossible with God. He can heal everything. And if he can heal me, he can heal anyone of anything. And I felt to encourage us, how do we how do we pray about about this? Or I guess Paul says. Let your requests be known to God by prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving. And I felt to encourage us that unless there's thanksgiving in our prayers, we could actually be praying in envy. That when we come to God, we've got to be thankful for what he's done for us and what he's given us. Because if we're not coming thankful, we could actually be praying for the things we're envious of. And so when you come in thanks, giving or thankfulness, it actually kills the envy. Because your focus shifts on what God's already done for you rather than what he hasn't done for you. Does that make sense? So, I, I feel called to help young people who are struggling with this issue and it's not easy to approach. People who are who struggling with it, they, they, the way I feel, they have to come to me and ask me for help. Obviously, God's going to help them, but if anyone needs to talk about it, and I'm not talking about anyone in this room, but you might know of someone, but there's such a lack in this area and there's so much confusion and so much deception, but the Holy Spirit has the answers. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to highlight tonight that if it's something like envy, then God can heal that. God can break that and restore a person. And if envy was at the root of that issue, who knows what other issues it's at the root of. And that was one of the main points I wanted to make. Like really, I'm not encouraging people, really go look for envy in your life, but let's be honest when we're opening our hearts to God and let the Holy Spirit take us deeper to find out what is at the depths of our heart so that we can truly be free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you've washed us. You've cleansed us. You've forgiven us. That's just the beginning. And I thank you that we're sanctified by your truth. We're made holy by your truth. Thank you. You sent the Holy Spirit as a helper and to remind us of everything Jesus said. I thank you that wherever there's hopelessness, I thank you, your hope comes. I feel like there's someone here who's who's given up all hope on a relationship. It might be a marriage but you've given up all hope. Sometimes giving up hope can be the convenient thing to do. But the Holy Spirit wants to restore that hope. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you that the goal of our instruction is love. That you're dealing with these issues in our hearts so that we can love as you loved. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you, bless every person, every child, every family. Mm-hmm. That the peace that pastors all understand guards their hearts and Thank you for joy. Thank you that their joy might be full. Hallelujah, Jesus.